Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Security Ledger Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Roberts, editor at the Security Ledger. Something we've been hearing a lot about in recent years is the threat that nation-state-sponsored hackers pose to U.S. corporations and the U.S. economy. Concerns about corrupted products from foreign suppliers were enough to prompt the U.S. Congress to hold hearings focused on the threat posed to government agencies by Chinese networking equipment makers like Huawei and ZTE. In this week's podcast... I talk with Jerry Capanera of CyberPoint International. CyberPoint is a Baltimore, Maryland firm that sells Prescient, a service that analyzes the hardware and software used in foreign technology. Prescient verifies where vulnerabilities exist and then creates licensed Prescient branded version of those foreign products for sale in the U.S. The company's motto is made overseas, secured in America, and they cast Prescient as a necessary third-way approach to overcoming concerns about supply chain risk. Um, so my name is Jerry Capanera, and I'm the general manager of CyberPoint's global partnerships business. Okay, so tell us a little bit about CyberPoint and um, about the prescient service that you guys uh, offer. So CyberPoint is a cybersecurity company. We focus on uh, really at the macro level, protecting what's invaluable both figuring out what that is and then, and then finding practical, pragmatic solutions from a technical perspective to, uh, you know, the, the hardest cyber problems that we find. Uh, we work across the globe. We've got offices um, both here and abroad. And, and we're really focused on advancing cyber um, in, in, in all aspects of that. One of the ways we do that is through our pressure business unit, which is one of the business units that I'm responsible for. Um, pressure is really, was really designed because uh, a few years ago we sat down and said, you know what? Thomas Friedman said it well. He said the world is, is flattening. Uh, globalization is here to stay. Technologies are developing across the globe, and we've got customers and, and enterprises, uh, governments, and telecommunications providers looking to figure out ways to both enhance their business opportunities, find new technologies, and we find this. We found this confluence, those confluences of a need and an opportunity, and, and we found them buying foreign technologies. Well. That, that was all well and good, but as a security company, we realized there's 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 inherent risk in that because you really don't know what you're getting. You're not, you know, if you go overseas and you try and find foreign technology products, what is the process by which it's developed? Are they secure? What's going on? And then how do you even find them to the first, in the first place? That's kind of how pressure came about. Um, we really saw that opportunity and, and need to figure out how do you provide secure mechanisms to both acquire, procure, and use technologies in, in today's enterprises. And this is a huge issue now because so many, even if the product that you're purchasing is a technology product, and even if it's manufactured within the United States, the chances are almost 100% that components in that product are, are not domestically manufactured but are coming from Asia or, or where have you. Uh, Security-conscious Customers, uh, I'm guessing, are concerned about that. What What are they concerned about specifically? So what I what it's funny, you know, and you, and you actually hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, I'm talking to you on my iPhone, which is designed in California but manufactured in China. I I don't know of technology products that are fully manufactured in the U.S. Everything is 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 built abroad and brought in. And so the question is, uh, what are you getting? You know, so the so the security question is, what am I getting? You know, how good is it? Is are the flaws that are inherent in everything we do? Are they malicious intent? Or are they just sloppy development? And so, from a security conscious buyer, what they want to know is if they're running a business, CIOs and 
And C- the CEOs, director, C- their CISOs and their CIOs say, listen, great, you're going to buy this foreign technology product, but how are you going to make sure it stays up? You know, how are you going to make sure that it's meeting the quality of service? How are you going to make sure that I'm not losing intellectual property? People are worried about that, and they're just trying to find the right, right way to balance the, the risk, the security, and the, and the cost factors. I, mean, I should say the two solutions I, I typically find to this are what I call the ostrich, which is people stick their head in the sand and say there's no problem, no worry, it didn't happen, I don't see anything. And then they get into the mode of, well, you know what, we just, we'll just throw up our arms and say we'll throw everything out. We'll only do this a certain way. Like, but like you mentioned, that one doesn't work either because everything's made overseas. The, it seems like the debate and the problem is how do you find that third path? How do you find that, that real alternative to being an ostrich or to just throwing your hands up and saying, I won't do this? So who are your customers? I can imagine the federal government obviously is very interested in this and uh, uh, three, you know, in the, the Defense Department and probably defense contractors are concerned about these types of things. But what, what other types of companies do you find are, are concerned enough that they're willing to go to an outside firm, CyberPoint, to give them some assurance about the hardware and software components they're buying? Originally, we had designed this to really bring foreign technology products and, and provide lower-cost alternatives for, for, certain, for government customers, like you mentioned. But what we're finding is we're finding folks in financial in, in industries, insurance, telecommunications providers who have big, intellect, big IT needs and who realize that a lot of their technology is developed overseas, but yet at the same time are seeing from the government and from the media, all of the real security problems that are starting to pop up. It's been more of a focus on the commercial side than, I, than it has been on the government side. You know, the government's a little bit of more of a closed environment, and so they can they can you know they can do their own thing. But what we're finding is, from a commercial perspective, folks are actually very concerned about that. Everything you hear about from you know, from intellectual property loss to HIPAA compliance to uh, in 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 the government space, if you will, FISMA compliance. And so it's actually been you know a combination of companies who I guess are more aware of the security risk in general, and those are a lot of the ones that are high-profile targets to date. You, I, I saw on your website, uh, you had as sort of a success story a, a piece of um, uh, video conferencing hardware from, from the Chinese manufacturer ZTE um, that, that you've rebranded. Uh, Huawei and ZTE are kind of the poster child for this because they found themselves on the wrong side of the U.S. government uh, because of concerns that were never really proven, but concerns about that they that they might be platforms through which the Chinese military, the Chinese government was conducting espionage on American corporations and the American government. What do you, what is your process for taking a piece of hardware from a manufacturer like that and verifying that it, it doesn't have uh, back doors or um, key loggers or any of the other types of uh, surveillance technology uh, built into it, uh, either with hardware or software. One of the strengths of CyberPoint is, is our ability, is our technical depth and breadth across the security space. So what we, what we do is we really approach this from a dynamic problem. One of the things we don't do is we don't, really do what you'd call security testing and validation or certification. Because what we found is that those are slices in time. You're, you're looking at a, a problem at a slice in time, and you really can't tell me too much. So our process is, is a little bit deeper and a little bit broader. Meaning that the that the vendor could change the firmware, for example, uh, in a way that would invalidate any testing that you would do. It, it, that's, that's, that's one of the major problems with that as well, too. The other one is even simpler. I order five units from you, and you're going to test one of them. Well, what do you do with the other four? Right, that's right. And it's funny because I would ask people that, and they would be like, "Oh, I never thought of that." I'm like, really? <laughs> I thought um, you just test all five, right? <laughs> scared me when I heard that. Yeah. 
so, um, what, what, you know, kind of what we do with pressure is we act as, you know, like the last mile in the, in the security supply, in the supply chain, if you will. So what we do is we take, uh, let's just use an example of you buy five big enterprise routers or something or, or a switcher or whatever the device might be. What we do is we take a unit in and we do a security analysis on it. I send it to our guys who do this stuff very well. They find the vulnerabilities, they figure out where the problems are, and then they, they harden it. They, they fix it up. And then what we do from there is we take a baseline, take a snapshot of everything that's going on on the machine, hardware, software, deep dives, behavioral um, type stuff, what's going on when, who's using it when, how are they using it, and so on and so forth. And we create a, what we call a baseline around that. So from that baseline, then what we do is we actually deploy with the new unit, we actually deploy a continuous monitoring system. So what we do is we say, you know what, if you ordered five units, I'm going to be continuing monitoring all five to make sure they match the baseline that, that we know is good. And it's not just the hardware and software, it's the behavioral as well. Too. So it's what's going on, how's it being used, when is it being used. You know, we believe in the trust but verify continuously model, right? It's the continuously that matters because snapshots in time don't work. So once we deploy that, then we go forward and we actually act as, you know, supportive for it as well too. So we're handling patches. So again, you're not slipping anything behind the scenes. Um, and depending on who we're working with, we'll even do the you know, on-site installation and initial first-tier support to just remove to, to move it one step farther away, so that at the end of the day, you know, these enterprises can feel comfortable that they're getting a good product, but it's it's actually more secure than the stuff they buy normally. And and do customers come to you with products, or do you have a menu of uh, hardware, software that that you w- have guaranteed and deployed, and or or is it pretty much you let customers bring you what they will? You know, it's a, it's a little of both. Uh, I do get to spend a, a good chunk of time on the road uh, looking for the right products and the right opportunities that we know there's need for. But it's funny we do get calls from both customers and vendors saying, "Hey, you know, help us. We, we've got people don't trust us." Or I don't trust this type of this type of product, this class of product. What can you do to help us? It's really been a combination of both, um, which makes life interesting. But if life wasn't interesting, it wouldn't be any fun either. So <laughs> that's right. And and what in your experience are, are organizations, whether it's a government or financial services, what types of components are they particularly concerned uh, about? Concerned that they might be. Uh, compromise. I noticed uh, the ZDE piece was a, a VoIP appliance. That makes total sense that that would be that could be a, a point of vulnerability for an organization. Uh, their voice traffic. What other pieces are they concerned about? They're concerned about. It's, it's really, I guess, if I were to bubble it up and uh, give you the macro view, it'd be more on the server and critical infrastructure type paths. So, for example, you want to make sure that you know the stuff where your data is residing, your core intellectual property, doesn't have backdoors or it's not you know being manipulated by an external actor in any way, shape, or form. And so it's, the, the VTC we did was the, you know, let's let's show that this works. Let's make this a really good, solid, you know, use case. And, and there's actually a lot of, um, there's actually some press. I remember reading a New York Times article before we did this uh, talking about a, a boardroom and that had, all of a sudden they're in a board meeting and the video camera starts going off and nobody's actually on the video camera and they've realized that it had been hacked. Um, but typically what we find is the need for enterprise class products. So you're talking about some of the big servers that reside either in, in a corporation's uh, data room or even in data centers themselves to make sure that, again, you know, the, the critical parts of your business are up and running and they're running in a secure fashion. 
it's probably a silly question to ask you, but do you think the fears uh, about you know compromises of the supply chain, as came up in the the hearings around Huawei and ZTE, are well founded, or is it tinfoil hat type stuff? It's funny. I know enough to know that there's probably merit. If they write something like that, I've got to believe there's merit to it. The challenge is, I agree with what you said earlier, that there wasn't a, it was very hard to figure that out in the report that was written. There was no smoking gun, yeah. Or they, and maybe they did, they just didn't tell us. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, but, at the, but at the end of the day, you could pull a PC sitting in my office here and, and probably find a lot of vulnerabilities with it as well, too. I guess the question is bigger than that. It's, there are vulnerabilities across every product we use in IT. Some are because of poor development, some are because of poor QA, some are just malicious. You can't tell by looking. You can't tell. You can't look at a, at a piece of software, or a piece of hardware, and say it's malicious. You know, at the end of the day, what we have to do is we have to t- we have to realize that there are security vulnerabilities in products, and you need to we need to deal with them. So, so to getting back to your question, is it is it real or is it not? I you know I'm probably not 100% sure either way, but at the end of the day, it's a problem we have. I have to deal with either way. Okay, so if you're if you're a vendor, uh, you know the government has warned everybody away from uh, you know these Chinese equipment makers, Huawei and ZTE. Can you can you go to um, uh, CyberPoint and Prescient and say, well, I want to use these because of the you know the the cost advantages or, or what have you, and you know you guys are my pathway to do it. So if I go through you, then I can use this hardware, and if not, then I then I really can't. You know that is it's funny that is that is what we do talk about, but with the one caveat of if we find stuff that can't get fit, you know if we were to find for example that thing I just you know the if we were to find in the back of a box a, a phone home plug and it was obvious, then we wouldn't work with it I mean at the end of the day, we're a security company focused on providing secure solutions, so assuming we can get past all all the normal hurdles we we find it it, it you know, that's one of the paths we open up to customers is the ability to use Chinese vendors in in their IT environments, which is what we've done with ZTE. And and have you had products where you said, you know what, this is just uh, fishy and uh, we wouldn't recommend using this under any circumstances? You know, we test a lot of products. Um, we've seen a lot of funny things. And, and again, the, the trick <laughs> is figuring out... <laughs> yeah, the trick is figuring out what it, what it, you know, what, again, right. to the point of funny intense, how, right? right? Is it, yeah. Right. Um, oh, did you purposely leave every port on the network open, or did you do that for a reason? <laughs> right. um, it's plausible it could be both things, right? It could be. That, that's 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 the beauty. That's what makes this hard, right? And that's why it's not a trivial problem. Um, we've got to be psychologists and technologists all in the same breath. <laughs> You know, obviously, companies are not going to bring individual iPhones to you or Android phones or tablets to you and say, "Well, we're concerned about this, and can you test us test this for us?" It's that's going to be burdensome. Um, are those as big an issue as people make, uh, or is it enough to test and verify the the really um, integral pieces of network infrastructure and and uh, in, in terms of protecting your network? We, you know, from a from a consumerization, from an endpoint perspective, we have to stop worrying about the device so much and worry about the data. As you know, as a as a corporation, as an enterprise, I'd be more concerned about my intellectual property, the data that I don't want getting out than necessarily this device is being used. And so, you know, this is where this is where CyberPoint. You know, this is kind of this is one of the reasons we do this as CyberPoint because pressure fits into the overall vision 
of, you know, of building secure solutions for enterprises. And so I'd actually answer that question a little bit differently and say, listen, you know what? What did Android just have a big? Uh, there was a big. There was a night. There's a backdoor in 99% of Android phones recently. I think they found. Yes. Um, and, and and so the question is, you're always going to find those things. And so, should I be? Should I spend my limited time and resources worried about a phone when they come out every six months to a year and there's multiple carriers and multiple phones across multiple vendors, or should I worry about the content and the data that goes on the phone and how that's used? So, I actually answered that question a little bit differently than probably you were you, you were looking for, but. I, to me, the, the answer to that question is focus on what's important in that problem, which is the data, not necessarily the phone. I think we need to. I think we need to move away from that personally, because otherwise, you kind of it's kind of like the, the tail chasing the dog. Right? What's important, what's in, what's in, what's really valuable is the data. So, for example, if you know you're writing an article and you don't want it to get out there beforehand, you know, should you use your Android or your iPhone? Well, I'm going to use my iPhone because it's you know, more secure. Or should you figure out a way to maybe look at it in a secure way on any phone? So that there's no record, no trace, no no ability to copy it. So that, that's kind of how I, I'd answer that problem. I'd say that's not a device problem; that's more of a data problem. Okay. Hey guys, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank, thank you, Paul. Much. Appreciate your time. No problem. <laughs>